it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The following program is made possible with the assistance of a grant from SNH Green Stamps. Buff Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. A perfectly delicious dish. Well, we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all let the sauce drain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend themselves with the stew. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it inside. There. About two or three minutes, if you have it in the ice box, to heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then, and then you cover it and, and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now this is ready to serve. Right now. Hi, this is Ingrid Kuksugare from Sweden, and you're listening to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network. Oh, vad jag är blöt. Hello and welcome to Eat It. One half of a podcast, this half dedicated to food. I am Hammond Hogswaller, and I am joined by famous Far Eastern pork expert, Sui. Oh, Hammond, is it pronounced Sui? <laughs> Which goes into our uh, topic for this month. We have two hard-hitting topics today on Docket, and the first one is pork. Something that yes. I think that we're both uniquely qualified to talk about, you know. Yes. Oh, ah, uh, yeah. We've uh, we've spent some time with was separately and together with the pork. <laughs> and I've spent You're some time famously on eat it, eat it and beat it. We've we we, well, I was gonna say smoked, but we didn't smoke. We barbecued a a, a suckling pig. Yep. I've spent a lot of time around pigs too, both the uh, kind on two legs and the kind on four legs. So, four legs good, two legs bad. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. Pork is to me, if I had to pick one meat that I was going to eat, if I could only pick one meat to eat for the rest of my life, 
it, it'd be pork. I love pork. Yeah. It definitely, like, has the most um, flexible and varied types of kinds of meat you can get from it, you know? Oh, absolutely. You, you're never going to get that beef that that like a like a beef steak ever from it but a but a well-cooked pork chop is is right up there in in my book with it but then you can you can have ham and you can have pulled pork and you and then there's bacon and like i was gonna say we might want to just put a pin in bacon because someday we should probably do a whole show on bacon oh absolutely but yeah like is a, a whole thing unto itself and when you think about the recent movements about you know eating everything from nose to tail there's no better animal suited for that than the pig because you can eat every single part of the pig and every part of the pig is useful Everything from its intestines that you wash out, you can eat them as chitlins, and you can go ahead and use them to stuff your sausages. I mean, for for our forefathers, one of the things that they used most to cook with was lard. It was an incredibly, incredibly important animal and food source uh, for people. And... And, and basically, the pig itself, or some form of the pig, dates back to 40 million years ago. We can see fossils of, of a very tall, horse-like pig that ran around in the United States with, with horses at the same time. But mm-hmm. they both went extinct, of course. And Well, not before it had sex with a monkey and made humans. Yeah, <laughs> pigs, pig, piggy humans, you know. And uh, Christopher Columbus brought pigs to the new world uh, on his voyage to cuba in 1493 uh they were great animals to travel with they could eat just about anything and wood (laughs) yeah and they would and prolific uh easy to raise and and uh just perfect Uh, of course you know they were introduced here to the new world and a lot of them went feral and we had our wild boars uh, which is really amazing when you think that they all share the same ancestry. Now, have you ever had wild boar meat? No, I never have. I have had wild boar meat, and it takes a little bit of, to me, it takes a little bit of uh, work to get to get it. it. Has a very very gamey taste. It's I would imagine. Yeah. It's it's lean. Um, it's usually cut with another type of meat to make sausage out of. But there's all kinds of different ways that you can get this meat ready for cooking. You There's recipes that call for soaking it in vinegar, some in tomato juice. Uh, but I did have some barbecued one time, slow roasted with garlic studded into it. And after you get used to that initial gamey taste, it was actually really, really, really good. See, I like gamey, so that might be not be a problem for me to get over. No, I, I, I think it was really, really really tasty but uh tell me about your history with 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 swine and what your favorite uh cuts of uh of pig are well i i I actually did a little bit of research i wanted to figure out exactly how much pig 
we eat in a year. So I found the 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 numbers for two two thousand and eighteen. Americans ate eleven million nine hundred and forty two thousand metric tons of pork in two thousand eighteen. Wow. And I believe it because I work in a in a, a rib place, you know, in a barbecue joint, and uh, it's a small place. We have four restaurants, but you know, I only work in one of them. And there's a lot of pigs go through that restaurant, that little restaurant, and we have at least two other big. Um, one is a local franchise, and one is a is a national franchise now. Barbecue places here too, that are all like, um, doing well. <laughs> so. Yeah, a lot of pig gets a lot of pig gets eaten here. Well, it isn't kosher, as you know, and and it uh, is not also uh, eaten by Muslims. Now, I always found that the uh, that it's a stretch why a pig isn't kosher. Uh, the Old Testament f- forbids people from eating animals that don't have cloven feet. Well, the pig has cloven feet, but it does not chew its curd, a uh, cud, you know. It, and that's one of the reasons why uh, it is not kosher. Uh, it's in, uh, which is a stretch, but you know, I can, I can totally respect that. But as, as you had mentioned, it does not uh, affect the amount of pork eaten. In no. And a lot of my Jewish friends are secret pig eaters, you know. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, there's 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 Jewish people who, who adhere to their religion, and there's Jewish people who are just like my family's Jewish. That eat, you know, I have I have of of a friend who's Jewish who seems to be eating whatever the hell he wants <laughs> on, on you know on the internet all the time, <laughs> posting pictures of it. So, you know, I I. The, the, I always thought that maybe the um, the the taboos against eating pigs, like for for a religion, maybe is because it's just well, humans are called long pig <laughs> by the oh, cannibal. Yeah, yeah, we have and, mentioned that before. And pig is like the as the cannibals say, the most human tasting animal. So there might have been that involved, or, and and also pig meat in the old days before we knew about food temperature and stuff like that pork carries a lot of um parasites yes if you don't cook it right and raise it right you can end up with some nasty parasites that that you could cook up on the grill and they're, they're still alive when you swallow them so you know pig pig meat might have been like kind of deadly a little more deadly than other meats in back the day uh, and one of the interesting things about um, pork is that trigonosis, which was what people were mostly afraid of contracting uh, back. Which is not day. fun. Yeah, it isn't fun, but it's pretty much a disease of the past. It doesn't. Right. Yeah, it doesn't. So one of the things that, that kills me is I just hate to see people overcook pig. Yes. I hate to see them because we in this country, we have. There's a whole resurgence of um, heirloom pigs that are raised, you know, the way our forefathers raised 
these pigs. And I've been, I've been, you know, I spent a lot of time in Portugal in um, villages that uh, my family lives in where they still raise their own pig. And I am telling you the difference in taste from pigs that are raised, um, you know, on a farm in the old fashioned mm -hmm. where you would throw meat scraps out there to what we get here. It is night and day. And well, we, all those metric tons, you're not put, I mean, you're putting the minimal amount of care allowed by law into those pigs. Yeah. Unfortunately, for the most part, you know, I mean, the, 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 the size and scope and just sheer lunacy of our factory pig farms is, you know, the, with the big, big pools of, of pig poop and piss yeah. collecting on the side and stuff like that, you know. And, and we've lost a lot of, of the taste, a lot of the taste. That's why we do things like brine uh, pork meat in salt for a while. And you don't need to do that when you go when you go to 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 certain parts of Europe where they raise their own pigs. You just sprinkle a little bit of, of salt on top of that pig and you throw it on the grill. And man, it is an absolute totally different taste than than what you're going to taste here i had a i got i had a second wedding to the same girl mind you <laughs> we had a second wedding in um in little village in portugal where we actually um i got to witness going and picking out a pig i got to witness the slaughter of the pig which which a lot of blood a lot of blood but we are so distanced in this country from where our food comes from now you know everything is neatly packed in packages at the grocery store nice chicken breasts that are all cleaned and cut and i i'm not going to say that that everyone should go back to seeing where your food comes from but it was an educational experience to right. to see this and let me tell you when they first uh nothing is wasted when they first, you know, butchered the pig, the first thing someone does is put a big pan underneath the pig to catch the blood. And it's not, you know, it's not pretty watching them do it, but they try and do it as quickly and humanely as possible. They put a pan underneath the pig, catch the blood, and that goes into making uh, pork blood sausage, which is really good. I mean, uh, most people haven't tasted it, but it's just pig blood, the Portuguese, we make it with bread, onions, spices, uh, and then we smoke it, and it's delicious. And then we, it, it's hung up, and from the minute they cut the pig open, everything is collected from, from the intestines to the liver, which we took into the house, and my aunt fried up the fresh pork liver right there for everyone to have a little taste of. The heart, I, I can only think of maybe some of the interior bits that you couldn't identify but the kidneys everything was eaten there was nothing nothing wasted nothing at all the the skin can be boiled to make cracklings you know and and it's just it's just the perfect animal to eat but it's a smart animal too <laughs> yes as smart if not smarter than a dog yeah and and i correct me if i'm wrong but i have this theory that we don't like to eat smart animals uh, you know, we prefer our animals stupid. And I think if people understood how smart 
the pig actually is that you know maybe they would have trouble eating it because well you understand how smart the pig is as yeah i don't have trouble we both understand how smart the pig is as eb i have i have pig plans for this summer when we meet up (laughs) you know it all comes back to pig we're pig ambitions we're thinking well maybe we should do something different this year but then it keeps coming back to doing something with the swine (laughs) but but yeah i mean we make we make prosciutto here and and the pig is is you know pigs are they are closer like one of the closest animals to our anatomy that that there are even today pigs are are still you know dissected by medical students and everything is is very close to the way we work uh, they have eyelashes <laughs> eyelashes yeah they don't sweat though which is which is um, which is probably a good thing yeah it is it is a good thing but then you know if we didn't sweat we'd have to roll around in mud and run around in mud but it doesn't sound too horrible no no i'm sure you probably have some rolling around in mud stories yes i do that you could that you could uh do that but yeah the pig was a very very important part of colonial uh america and then when the railways came it it was the meat that 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 could be refrigerated in refrigerated cars and even before refrigerated cars pigs take pork takes incredibly well to being salted as as we've mentioned before uh bacon but as you cross across the country you know on your way on the Oregon trail or whatever to um to uh the west what did you take with you you took beef jerky which could be boiled and maybe eaten but you had barrels of of pork salt pork which is still an integral part in a lot of recipes that i cook with um salt pork done really well is delicious pancetta delicious it's just a delicious animal i mean everything Um, i I shave with a boar's with a with a boar's hair brush you know it's it's it it is a fabulous animal all the way around delicious you guys smoke the the uh the pig yes correct uh now how long i know that we tried the smoke pig here and we have a i have a little smoker but at your restaurant how long do you have to smoke those ribs because you made ribs the ribs are ribs ribs three hours yeah three hours that's that's done in three hours um brisket and butts go in overnight now do you guys have a pit master someone that is that is that this is what they do for a living no because it's not that big of a uh um production like the 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 two others here the two others here have you know huge outdoor areas with like you know a dozen smokers going we've we've got one or two smokers going in it every day and they're inside under a hood and these you know that the the those places that have the the whole you know whole setup of smokers they'll, they'll have pit bosses that that come in it you have to yeah because it's it's bet with multiple smokers you know with with this it's just the morning guy comes in and he knows it's got another hour before it has to come out you know or an hour and a half depending on temperature fluctuation or whatever even the weather oh yeah but, you really have to know what you're doing 
we got to turn up the smoker in the winter because the restaurant gets cooler. What kind of wood do you guys use? Applewood. Applewood. See, I have never smoked with applewood, but I would love to. Well, next time I go up there, I'm definitely going to make a trek to that restaurant. And and I would love to try applewood smoked uh, pork. But, you know, you have to use the right cut. Uh, there are fatty cuts of pork and there are lean cuts of pork. Um, one of my favorite cuts, uh, I've never been a big pork loin guy. Uh, I, I like it, but it tends to be a little bit lean. But I think yeah. that one of my all around favorite cuts of pork that, that I like, that you can do a lot with, is the country style rib. Um, it's, yeah. It's got and two it's kinds cheap. of yeah, it's cheap. It's got two kinds of meat. It's got a um, meat from the loin, and it has dark meat. It has just the right amount of fat and marbling, which is hard to find in today's uh, pig that we get here. But if you're going to do a recipe um, for any type of a pork stew, or if you're going to make uh, carnitas or anything, I recommend nice big batch of country style ribs they're perfect for just about every type of of uh pork cooking you can pound them out and make cutlets i mean there's nothing you can't do with a pig man right i i like like pork loin i've had like fancy restaurant pork pork loin and stuff and when you get it just right and it's a little pink in the center it's it's delicious and and you know and they'll and they'll sauce it up and and you know put a layer of flavor on the outside of it and stuff but like my favorite pork recipe <coughs> uses pork loin but you're sort of stewing it you would you would take the pork loin and cube it to make a like green sauce with tomatillas yeah yeah so it'd be like you know cubed cube pork loin and then you you cook the you, you cook them and you you have to add pork fat to it <laughs> And you cook those in that a little bit, and then you just stew them with tomatillas and you know onions and garlic and salt and pepper and all that good stuff and so tons and tons of cilantro, no. and uh, you just cook it down into this like stewy meat sauce where the you know the little cubes are just falling apart, and you can make enchiladas or burritos or you can pour it over it's stuff. One of your 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 mother type of pork recipes. Uh, I was going to ask you, how? Talk to me about just how important good lard is to taste of just about anything that that you can cook with. Yeah, people like. I mean, there's people who are starting to figure out again. Like, there's places like fancy, fancy places usually are doing what what used to be what everybody did is cook their French fries in in lard. French fries and lard are delicious. Oh my god! Anything deep fried in lard is delicious, and they're also starting to learn that, you know, lard lard sort of went out of style. It did, because it was animal fat, and people just were like, it's you know just terrible for you. It's it's the worst kind of fat, and it's turning out it's lard is much better than for you than any kind of margarine or or saturated. Yeah. Or beef fat or anything like that. And they're also saying that pork fat is one of the healthier fats 
because it's just it's one of the most soaked with vitamin and that's another thing that people don't realize about fat about any kind of fat is that's fat is sort of what you need to absorb vitamins <laughs> oh yeah that's how your body absorbs vitamins is it, it soaks up into the fat and then your body absorbs the fat not that you you know but uh, apparently uh Pig fat is 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 full of some of the better is one of the healthier animal fats that that you can eat. Well, if not the healthiest. What people need to understand about frying foods and pork fat in general is that if you get it up to the right temperature, you would be surprised at just how little of the fat is actually absorbed yes. into your food. You get your fat at the right temperature, and it's gonna create a almost a crust or a bond right on the food on contact just going to give it that little bit of flavor and you're going to get a terrific tasting i mean if you've done french fries or if you've done deep fried anything in lard you can tell by the mm -hmm. level of the lard when you take whatever you're deep frying out that you really haven't absorbed that much uh, because you have your if, if you start your like if you make carnitas and you slow cook the pork in lard for a while, yeah, you're going to get a lardy piece of pork. It's going to be delicious, but you're going to get, you know, more uh, fat absorption. But at the right temperature, you're not going to get that. And when you buy lard today at the grocery store, you are getting an incredibly refined product. Yes. Uh, so much so that, um, well, we go rendered and filtered yeah you can go to the mexican market and they sell you this golden pork fat that is absolutely delicious for making carnitas or for adding i'm sure they would be great to add to your bean recipe but you can go and buy a block of white pork lard that is looks like crisco maybe next time we maybe next time we make the beans we'll cook the onion in lard Oh, absolutely. And uh, it used to be what everyone would make, used to make pastry crust. Lard was oh, always yeah. in. Flaky, for, flaky, flaky crust. High crust, yeah. Don't be afraid of lard because it's your, it is your friend, man. And it is, it is good stuff. Uh, very versatile. And it was for, for a long time in this country, you had butter that you could maybe fry some stuff in but you had lard lard was what we used uh throughout history here um and the pig was was what we used uh it's it's been the most popular meat not only in the united states but in china in in certain parts of, of spain portugal france it it is very very popular you know and and we tried to we bred all the flavor out as i had mentioned before even with the whole the other white meat campaign that was going on back in the the 80s uh you know it was just as good as chicken but it became tasteless and that's why we have to doctor it up so much but hopefully with the resurgence of um heirloom uh they'll cost you you know uh pigs you know, we might be able to get some of that flavor that that we haven't had in a long time back into our into our uh, into our pork. Yeah, they got I, they got to start making gourmet pork pork restaurants like they have with aged beef. 
chop houses and stuff like that. That would be nice. Oh, it definitely would. I mean, I would, I mean, you know, I probably couldn't afford to buy it very often, but if I had the opportunity to, I would definitely like to try some uh, marbled pig, some type of old recipe. I can't think of any of the names, but man, to have a, a fresh pork sausage too. Like, you know, we have a whole bunch of, I mean, you've been to the pork store here. In yes. The, it is literally the pork store. And you go in there and they make their own sausages with their own casing and so much different from anything else that you would. They even have lardo. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with lardo. It's a very Italian thing. Well, they will they will take a very, very nice, clean, square cut of pork fat. And they will pack it in salt and cure it. And then they take out this pork fat that's that has been cured in salt and they slice it paper, paper thin and put it on a piece of, of fresh bread or toast. And man, I've had that and it is absolute heaven. It's Ooh. tough to find, but if you can ever find it, definitely worth uh, getting it paper, paper thin and, uh, and trying lardo. But I've only had it once, but I never did forget it. That and the pancetta, which is just unsmoked, basically uncured bacon that's rolled up into a little ball. And I never ate it because this is going to sound so stupid, but I have this problem, and I have the same problem when I buy fancy cheeses. I I keep it in the refrigerator, and I just look at it, and I say, God, that's pretty. And I, I got to think of something to do with it, but it makes me happy that it's there. And then, you know, I'll just keep it there, and I don't do anything with it because it just like it and then the next thing you know it's like blooming in mold and I have mold is taking it to throw it away but uh don't do that definitely if you um if you buy something eat it especially swine it's 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 great and if you don't eat swine that's cool too i respect that but but i'm not gonna say you're missing out because i have to respect your your religious um you know your religion well, you can but, say you're missing out but it's fine yeah, yeah, I, I, people I, who take a vow of chastity—they're missing out. Yeah, but you know what? Someone who did not miss out, never on, missed out, never missed out on pork, would be our good friend George Leonard Herder from Wasico, Minnesota, the author of Bull Cook and Authentic Historic Recipes and Practices. It's time for Herder's Corner, and um, you're, you're not going to believe this, but um, George has a lot to say about the pig. Um, yeah, I figured this would be an easy one on the Herder. It, I'm sure there's volumes on this. There, it and and if, I I have done a recipe uh, that that was probably one of the most complex ones that that I did. I had to start it uh, yesterday, but a, a little bit of what <clears throat> we're gonna. Today we're going to be doing barbecued pork ribs stonewall. Now, Herder has a lot to say about pork, so I'm going to try and, and compress this as quick as I can here. But a little, a little history. He begins with thousands of years ago, there was a pig-like animal and also horses in North America. Something killed off all the horses down to the last one. And all of the pig-like animals, which is great, <laughs> except for the javelina, which is a, a form of wild boar. 
The Spanish brought in horses from Europe. When they came into Mexico, the Indians killed some of the Spaniards and the horses of the dead Spaniards ran wild and again populated North America with horses. Now, the European people domesticated pigs from the European wild pigs. The Spanish brought the first pigs to North America. Now, when the French came to Canada and to Mississippi, they brought pigs with them, and the English colonists on the East Coast brought in large numbers of pigs with them also. Now, here is a recipe of a gentleman, of a gentleman, gentleman named Thomas Jonathan Jackson, born 1824 and killed in 1863. He was a brilliant military leader. If he had not been killed, he probably would have emerged from the war between the states as one of the greatest generals of all time. He was a fierce soldier who once he had planned his strategy, allowed no room for retreat. This earned him the deeply deserved nickname of Stonewall. That's right, Stonewall. Somehow, George Leonard Herter has got his hands on General Stonewall Jackson's ribs. Amazing. I mean, I don't know how he does it. He does it, though, every time. He does it. He knocks it out of the park. Now, General Jackson was an excellent cook. I didn't know that. Surprised he doesn't have, like, Vlad the Impaler's... <laughs> you know what? I'm probably... recipe. He probably does somewhere. He has the Virgin Mary's recipe for um, cream spinach. So. Right, I know, so... Yeah. <laughs> and he spent a great deal of time seeing it to himself that what food his soldiers had was prepared properly. In this recipe he used for barbecued pork ribs, it has never been bettered and seldom equaled. It takes a long time by today's methods, but it is well worth every minute to take to make this recipe. Now, this recipe finally gave me the chance to cook with um, saltpeter or butcher's some people call it butcher's cure or pink salt that i had i had a jar after a, a, a butcher shop went out of business in the in, in the alley in the front uh, the landlord let us raid the butcher shop because the guy wouldn't pay his rent so we got some jars and we got a bunch of meat that was frozen but it turned out to be like all really old <laughs> meat i'm surprised there wasn't a mastodon in there but there was a lot of this pink butcher salt which i which i snagged and I finally got to use it on this. Um, you take a good sized glass or ceramic bowl and you add eight cups of water and to this you mix two and a half level teaspoons of this saltpeter. And you let, uh, there's, um, and you also add a teaspoon of ground cloves and one eighth teaspoon of black pepper. Do not worry about the saltpeter dulling any sexual desires as this small amount has absolutely no effect on your sexual desires at all. I was worrying about that. I guess saltpeter has a reputation of, uh, you know, uh, do you know the pig has a corkscrew-shaped penis? Yes, I did know that. It comes in handy knowing that, because if you're ever with a pig, they can open a bottle of wine for you. Um, you have to leave the, um, the salt, you have to leave the pig in the uh, saltpeter for about 12 hours or overnight. Now what this does is it gives the meat a clean musk-free taste and will keep the meat pink 
and tasty after being roasted, not brown and gray and porky tasting uh, as you nowadays inevitably have barbecued ribs served to you. Well, I never really had that. But after you do that, you place the ribs on a wire rack and you cook them in the oven at 300 degrees uh, for three hours, which I found to be too much time. Uh, but I did cook them until they were done. And then you pour off the grease and you let your ribs sit. And uh, here's his recipe for barbecue sauce, which I found interesting. It, now you take one onion and you dice it up. And here's the interesting ingredient, two cups of celery diced up. Huh. Yeah, I've never had celery in a barbecue sauce. And you put three tablespoons of butter into a large frying pan, and you melt it. Add the onions and celery, and you got to brown them. And then you add two cups of tomato sauce. Um, he, he says you can grind your own tomatoes, or you can buy a can of Hunt's tomato sauce, which is what I did. And you add two tablespoons of prepared mustard, two tablespoons of brown sugar, two tablespoons of lemon or lime juice, two tablespoons of liquid smoke. Two tablespoons of vinegar, one level tablespoon of salt, and a level tablespoon of black pepper, and one six tablespoon of cayenne pepper, or six drops of Tabasco, one half cup of water, and two level tablespoons of chili powder. Now you boil all this, and this barbecue sauce contains no Worcestershire sauce, no ketchup like today's recipes do. It definitely must contain celery as described, and you pour the sauce generously over the ribs and serve Note that this sauce is not cooked with the ribs at all, as it must not pick up any of the grease or lard from the ribs. Grease or lard not only destroys the flavor of the sauce, but makes the sauce hard to digest, giving you a heavy, greasy-filled stomach that can make you feel very uncomfortable for as much as a day. The itis. Yes, the meat sweats. So, I have it here. The ribs have been... Um, generously slathered over with this celery barbecue sauce and uh, i'm gonna pull a little piece of the meat have you tried have you tried any of the sauce before no, no? uh i don't I, believe i did you. try the sauce uh -huh. it, it 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 has a do you cook with a lot of liquid smoke um no we don't really have to but th there we do have some sauces that take a little bit of liquid smoke in them yeah it's a it's an interesting ingredient i like it it can be Overkill if you're not careful. You know, Andrew Jackson was one of the first pioneers of liquid smoke, according to Herder. He actually de derived, uh, derived some of it from tar. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so it's, but, it's yeah. <laughs> you know, he he who knew. But as I pull the meat off of the off of the rib here, it is nice and pink, which is something that I'm not really used to on a pork rib. But it's cooked. That's the saltpeter or the um, the butcher's cure. So let's see here. Uh, Mm. Is the celery uh, noticeable? It's it's in chunks. It is noticeable, but when you cook celery, it tends to cook a lot of the flavor out of it. Yeah. But it's there, and you know what I do like is the um, the chili powder and the clove, and it's got just the right type of sweetness, but. I really like the the, um, the color and the texture of the ribs from the salt. I gotta take a picture of this because the ribs are really nice and pink, which is, you know, when you smoke ribs, you get that little ring around them if it's perfectly done. Yes. 
But now I know why they add these to sausages because it keeps that nice pink color in the sausage. And I would have put maybe a little more heat, but nope. Stonewall Jackson definitely knew his stuff, man. This is another herder hit. Why do you think? Why? Why else would it have made it to the hand to the sweaty little hands of herder? No. This I'm, I might actually try marinating the um, the pig in saltpeter again, because it really does. It doesn't take away the, the porky taste. I can still taste pork, but it gives it a very nice um, a very nice color and a very nice uh, texture. I guess you know it, it's. Maybe it's like brining it a little bit. It is a salt, but it's a very little amount that you put in there. Right. But yeah. I thought I, when he was saying level, I thought he was going to say cups. No. I, I really did. The no, it's, it's just a little them. bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, it's very tough for me to find a sausage recipe that I can get a detailed. It's mostly done by weight. Um, so I have never added it to any sausages that I make. But I'm going to have to do some more research because some of the Portuguese sauces that I like to make... Um, it definitely is. It, it keeps its red color when you cook it. Mm-hmm. And it's because it does have some of this. And it's not a new thing. I mean, saltpeter is, was used for a long time. And it's also used to make a bomb, explosive. So, so um, and I guess it definitely keeps your, uh, keeps your junk from, from rising up. <laughs> God <laughs> knows we need that going yeah, on. According to Herder, it, it always comes back to that somewhere along the line. There was a little... A little pecker, um, a little uh, pecker influence in all of his recipes. One of his running themes, yeah. Absolutely, but another herder hit, guys. Definitely, definitely a fun, a good recipe. It takes a little bit of time, but uh, the uh, the pink salt is great. And um, any any last thoughts on pork? Ah, I just want to mention one of my favorite things to make out of pork is pork gravy pork gravy is my favorite gravy of all the gravies talk to me about that that's worth me hearing about because i don't really know much about pork gravy i like to use um um the shoulder bones from the that we'll get and i'll save up the shoulder bones and then i'll bake them with i'll bake them for a little while with some celery onions you know a couple heads of garlic and then throw it all in a pot and just boil it all day and then boil it right down to jelly so it gets a lot of collagen in there and then i'll just keep that frozen that frozen jelly and then then whenever i need gravy for like i mean especially pork chops or something but like with any kind of biscuity thing or anything that you would want to put gravy on really you can use you can take that base, you know, chip some of it out of the the freezer. It's basically like almost like aspicy jelly. Ooh. And um, then I'll make a little roux in the in the pan. And depending on what it's going on, you could put some red wine in there or white wine. And then and then that stuff and just whisk it up and, and it'll come out into the most just smooth, silky brown gravy oh d d d d delicious oh, a little salt could, and pepper i can imagine That's all you need that on a nice thick cut pork chop maybe you know yeah oh it's delicious that, i can 
I can almost smell it. Or just just shre- just you know pulled pork. Oh yeah, absolutely. With no sauce, pulled pork, just with this stuff on top of it is, oh, just oh. just heavenly poutine. Mm-mm-mm. Oh yes, poutine. That that would be a great gravy to put on. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's if we when I make it at the restaurant, that's what I make it for is for the poutine. You know, a couple of minutes ago, seconds ago, I said I could almost smell it. But you know what I think I'm smelling is I'm looking over at the green room and there's a couple of dudes in diapers, man. I, and and maybe maybe that's what red, I'm white and blue diapers, just, uh, red, white and blue. I, I one of them is carrying a load. Uh, they're in wheelchairs, too, and their faces are all saggy. Yeah, and I think one of them needs to be changed. So uh, I'll I'll go get the talcum powder, and uh, maybe you can just go in there and. I'll go get the hose. <laughs> yeah, you uh, wait for me, and let's see what the hell's going on. All right. Well, in the meantime, we'll take a little break, and it's time to dine on the swine. <sighs> Poke Smokehouse. We croak them, poke them, and smoke them. You can't beat our meat, but you can sure as hell eat it. Nothing goes to waste. We serve everything from snout to where it comes out. We rub it, pull it, beat it, and heat it. You'll squeal like your dinner when we fill your trough with a steaming pile of one of the smartest critters on earth. Bring the youngins. We'll give them our favorite pork duck egg. A gum-licking, suckling pig stuffed with a real duckling that's stuffed with a boiled egg. 
Net bait is Piggy Pope, located in the Demonzaville Pine Barrens, and is only accessible by canoe. But ding diddly dang doodly doo, it's worth the trip. Tuesday nights are banjo karaoke, and Friday night is date night. So bring them saggy drawers and them pretty mouse down to Ned Beatty's Piggy Poke, where you can get a poke and a squeal and a damn good meal. Please use canoes responsibly and always wear a life preserver. Hello and welcome to Beat It. I have fashioned this podcast out of an American flag. I am Chester P. Molester and I am here with my partner, Rub One Out. Hang on, just wait one second. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm glad this is over Skype, man. I'm, I'm ready. All right. Guess that's what Skype's for. Well, wipe my hands here. Okay. We are here to honor one of my favorites of all time. Right up there with Al Goldstein. What a heavy hitter. What I a- think I actually might like this guy better than Al Goldstein. Yeah. I just I- love him. I just love him. Maybe I- maybe if they make an Al Goldstein biopic, we'll, uh, he can he can occupy the same space in my mind, but we're talking about the legendary Larry Flint of Hustler magazine. Why did it take us so long to get to Larry Flint? Uh, we're taking our time, saving yeah, some of the good be- stuff for for later on. I'm going to go out and say that he is definitely one of the heaviest hitters that we have that we have tackled. He is a porn god. He is not. He's not only a porn god, but would you consider him a? free speech god as well or do you think he was mostly self-serving oh no he's not well i mean self-serving i think yeah but at the same time he's he is i think especially since he was put into a wheelchair um um he he needs something to do (laughs) he needs he he's he needs windmills to tilt at probably, and uh, and he's one of those people. It reminds me a little bit of Lenny Bruce, where yeah. they're just going along doing their thing, and all of a sudden they become embroiled in something that's kind of bigger than them, and at the same time, they're not as much with Lenny Bruce because Lenny Bruce was a comedian, but he was going into into places comedians hadn't gone, but. But admittedly, Larry Flint was in a in in like, I mean, not that porn is a dark thing, but though you know the way he conducted business was pretty sleazy. Oh, absolutely. And but at the at the same point, when the 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 stuff that he ended up getting, well, he's gotten busted for crime stuff too. But for getting busted for for the stuff that was taking him to the Supreme Court, it was stuff that he was intelligent enough. To go, wait a minute. <laughs> What's wrong with what I'm doing there? You know, I should I should be able to do that, no matter how you know. And and he would go to the he would follow follow the conclusion down to like, 
well, the only people that have the, the only reason to have a problem with this is because of religion and we shouldn't have that that problem in America or what, you know, or, or he, he became very focused on hypocrisy. Yeah, and, what I and like because about- he got burned by it. And so for yeah. the rest of his life, he's probably like, I've got money. I'm going to fight this. I mean, Larry Flint never took the easy way out. I mean, he it was a point that, I mean, he had to make a fight. I mean, love him or hate him, Larry Flint was a self-made man. I mean, he is, it's corny to say, but, but, but he's basically the American dream, man. I mean, uh, no matter, no matter if you like the guy or not, you have to believe that, that he achieved it. I mean, is he in your eyes the most notable and i and i'm gonna say pornographer because he you know he doesn't he doesn't make any bones about it that that there is um that depends on if you want to call hugh hefner a pornographer i don't know i i think that they're that they're both flip sides of the of the coin i i I, Hugh Hefner's definitely just more well known and like as the groundbreaker of, you know, or like maybe the Walt Disney of porn. You yeah, know, I mean, sort of, Hugh Hefner wanted to make you know play wanted people to take Playboy. Correct me if I'm wrong, but take it seriously as you know uh, as a literary magazine oh yeah he was forging the yeah. you know the playboy philosophy every issue like here's the playboy philosophy on this and he was trying to form a whole lifestyle sort of thing with it whereas L- L- larry flint was like let's go for the lowest common he's like i'm doing sleaze exactly i'm gonna do sleazy sleaze i mean just look at the guy he's i mean he's he's been shot he's been in jail he's converted to christianity he's been dragged through the courts and and hustler is hustler the sleaziest magazine out there well there is screw there is screw but i don't know if screw took it to the extreme i mean screw was a different screw was new york sleazy Larry yeah. Flint was redneck sleazy. Yeah. Larry I... Flint was, I mean, a, an issue of Hustler. And the, and this is what I find h- hilarious about Hustler is, I mean, if you pick up a, an old copy of Hustler today and, and look through it in today's world, it is the most horrifyingly... Uh, yes. Not even politically correct isn't even... Incorrect isn't even the word for it. I mean, flat out um well you got your politically incorrect with your chester the molester cartoons which was a big guy in like usually shit stained underwear or stained pants trying to find different ways to trap little girls in comedic ways um you had asshole of the month where whoever very goldstein like whoever he was at odds with he would he would put their picture coming out of a donkey's ass with big giant balls hanging under their chin. But then you had like, you know, especially by, there was a cartoonist who was, who was notoriously, who did Chester the Muster, Dwayne Tinsley. And just the most egregious racist cartoons. Oh yeah. Mostly against black people. 
and Dwayne yeah. Tinsley drew the most, you know, caricatured black people. And you feel kind of guilty laughing at them, but damn it, some of them, they're funny. I mean, they're funny in a way that you're, they're funny in a way that you, you're you not even going to see a lot of underground comics. As, I, as Oh, yeah. Well, they're different than, well, underground comics, like, say, you read an R. Crumb comic. Yeah. And he's got race, race, racist caricatures in there. He's working off, you know, the I. The, the iconography of the 20s and stuff and he's lampooning that in albeit in a really like blunt horrifying you know full embrace of it but it's 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 all in all kind of a refutation of it whereas yeah. hustler's just like look at this guy he likes watermelons <laughs> he's got a huge talk that wraps around his 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 um his prostitutes, this pimp. I mean, you can say oh, that. Mag- yeah. I mean, oh, I forgot about yeah, and pimps in the cartoons, the whole outfit, and yeah, and and with 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 their with their prostitute girlfriends with like their their vulva lips hanging down to oh. like their knees and stuff. I mean, and, but I found the people who like love like I I've seen black people reading hustler magazine and laughing their ass off i have a friend who's yeah. a woman who's you know her fa- she has she has black family members she has she grew up in in a very like mixed family in a racially charged area so she's very sensitive about racism and she's very like like aggressive about it when it happens and stuff she collects like you know the best of hustler comics <laughs> cartoons you know all all the volumes of them <laughs> and yeah. has carried them around with her for just thinks they're the funniest things in the world and i guess maybe just because it's so go for broke that nobody can take it seriously yeah and and you know i mean he the, i mean everybody was a target of hustler but like yeah, if you look at it now, it's it's so sketchy. <laughs> it is. I mean, you can say other magazines they sell sex, but Hustler magazine sells offensive sex. I I mean, it it they they have the split beaver shot. I don't even know what a fucking split beaver shot is. I I have no idea. That was that I mean, that was their that was their big innovation is he was just like, "No, we're focusing on the vagina." You know, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a Vaseline <laughs> lens through pubic hair. We're, we're going to get it, get it out there and put it in the center of the photo. And, you know, I've saw some interviews with with photographers um, for Hustler and they would actually it, it's tough to make that look beautiful. They would actually try and super glue some parts of it, but it didn't work. You know, uh, it's Larry Flint is just is just the the models were more quote unquote well and here's another difference from al goldstein is al goldstein just sort of collected porn pictures and pasted them in there larry flint did layout you know he was doing like 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 playboy and penthouse he was like here's a layout you know of one model or here's a here's a scenario and the scenarios i mean i i remember as a kid getting our hands on the infamous electric chair issue i mean 
holy shit. I, and Flint succeeded where Goldstein said that, you know, Flint succeeded where he didn't succeed in that he went, you know, nationwide starting from the middle of the Bible belt and, and, you know, going nationwide. Why? Why? And we were talking off, off mic a little bit about how, you know, Goldstein, when he started, had a lot of fucking money. And so did probably about the same time. So did Flint. Why did Goldstein, was Goldstein just that bad a businessman? I think, yeah, one, yes. <laughs> I don't think Al Goldstein was a bit. I think Al Goldstein, basically, his success was based on being in the right place at the right time and sheer chutzpah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he was just, he was, he you know, he was moody and notoriously, like, you know, not good to the people around him and, and just spent lots of it was a was a impulse buy you know addictive buyer of things of expensive trinkets yo yeah and Love whereas that. whereas larry flint was like i mean he started out running his hustler clubs yeah and that he was you know running a chain of bars which means he's the he was the big fat redneck guy oh back with the bit with the baseball bat coming out to kick someone's yeah. ass in his bar and then fucking staying at night and, and hitting up the whiskey and counting the money. Yeah. And, and, you know, that... And he succeeded at it. And you can't succeed at that. Al Goldstein wouldn't last no. 10 minutes in a bar fight. Are you kidding me? He would have packed up and left town. I mean, to understand Larry Flint, you have to go back and understand where he came from. I mean, Larry Claxton Flint Jr., Born in 1942, uh, in the in the town of 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 uh, in Lakeville, uh, McGuffin County, Kentucky. Now, according to Flint, this was one of the poorest counties in the United States at that. Now, time. remember, we're dealing with somebody in the herder <laughs> mold. Absolutely. So. I mean, he was the son of a sharecropper and a World War II veteran. And lost his virginity to a pig. Yeah, that lost his virginity to a pig. And, and the, hence the connection. Yes, <laughs> yep, there you go, folks. It, you know, he was raised by his mother. His father wasn't in the picture, and by his by his grandmother. And uh, he lost his his brother Jimmy, remained a um, an important part of the empire, and it still is. Uh, he lost his sister to leukemia at the age of four, and. You had, you, you know, you had said that he, where he grew up, he said you you didn't have much to do, he, and he was always a hustler. He was always a guy earning money. You could have been a farmer, but him and his brother didn't want to be a fucking farmer. They didn't want to do that. So he took off and joined the army, and uh, you know he got out and he was ready to make some fucking money, like you said. So he borrowed uh, one thousand eight hundred bucks from his mother, and he started, you know, those bars. Uh, in in Ohio, and these bars, when the police got a call from Larry Flint's bar, they knew that there was some guy sitting on the front porch with a towel on his head because, like you had mentioned, Larry Flint would just pistol whip him. That's what he mm -hmm. did. And him and his brother would close at two, spend the whole night sweeping up blood and vomit, and then open up again. And and that's what what he did, you know. And 
and he decided that you know what I'm getting tired of this I'm gonna bring in some girls and this is this is the Bible Belt he brought in you know beautiful girls and then the real life-changing moment was he went to the San Francisco Bay Area and he saw go-go dancers mm-hmm so he said what the fuck I'm gonna bring these go-go dancers or at least teach these girls how to go-go dance in a part of the country that had never seen that and that probably wasn't ready for that and and it took off from there you know I mean can you imagine the go-go dancers in in this little Bible belt part of Ohio it, it brought in the people and you know it's pretty soon he bought more clubs and he was earning like you know thousands and thousands of dollars every a, a year you know and and it, it took off from there yeah and he started publishing a, a little see i think this is probably where it became comes very similar to goldstein where he would do a little newsletter yeah, for just it let people know about where the girls were what's up with the girls you know a little newsletter and a little promo thing and yeah, exactly but I'm sure he sat down at a typewriter and started and was like, I'm going to throw in a few little crudes. I would love to get my hands on one of those newsletters to see what that looks like. You know what I mean? Can you imagine? But I'll bet you it had an editorial in it or something. You know, I'll bet you after I'll bet you maybe the first couple were dry and then he maybe threw something in there and stuff and was just like, well, hell, put naked pictures of women in here and and cartoons and leave my editorial in and you got a magazine and that's and this is where he veered off in a direction in a different direction from goldstein you know he didn't just stick with that he his it was incredibly popular uh he started people were coming in and getting these magazines and he was thinking all right i need to come up with a name well the uh they say and like you said this is a maybe a herder moment but they say that he was pacing around the bar trying to think of a name and the barmaid behind a bar says god damn it larry you're always a hustler why don't you just name the bar hustler and and that's what he did he named his the bar the hustler club and the magazine the hustler club and and you know and even al goldstein says you know that hustler took its inspiration from his own tabloid screw but Al even said that you know he credits Al, he credits Goldstein with accomplishing what he had not created, and that was a national publication. Yeah. And, and <laughs> wow, I mean, in '74 he started to get really deep and show pink shots, and we all know what what that is. And and uh, by the time and, I was growing up, you everybody knew about Hustler because it was in the news, you know. Jackie Onassis is in hustle. You know, he would do the things that nobody else would want to do, and he would take, you know. I saw those Jacqueline Onassis shots, mm-hmm. and, and he actually mailed a copy of Hustler. Uh, and, uh, people, uh, this he didn't mail, but but all kinds of senators were going in and buying this thing. And you know, Goldstein had a thing for Jacqueline Onassis, but he didn't print, you know, naked pictures of. Of or, or he didn't do that, did he? I, I seem to remember in his book talking a lot about Jacqueline Onassis. But yeah, I, he did, I don't think he wanted to. I, I don't think he wanted to. Yeah, um, it, but Larry Flint had no problem. But then again, Larry Flint later on balked on doing um, 
uh, what was her name? Jessica Lynch. The she was in the army, mm-hmm. and he yeah. had naked pictures of her. He wouldn't. And, he wouldn't. He wouldn't publish them. You know. Uh, well, he bought those Onassis pictures for eighteen thousand dollars. He published them in the August nineteen seventy four issue, and that attracted worldwide attention. Sold a million copies within a few days, and by that time he was a millionaire. You know. And and then you know what I think Al Goldstein did publish them because now I'm remembering looking through that screw something. It was looking through that screw retrospective, and I think I remember it having the naked pictures of Jackie O in it. So yeah, maybe I seem to remember something about that. But uh, but yeah, he did, and he took off, and that's you know, and and amazingly, you know his. His legal troubles started in uh, Gwinnett County, Georgia, you know, and right in the Bible Belt. And this town, Georgia, has given Flint trouble for the longest time. I mean, he was actually uh, convicted of was it? Por- it was pornography and uh, organized crime. To 20- yeah, like racketeering or something like that. Five years, it got overthrown, and that's, of course, when he was walking from that courthouse uh, that Larry Flint was shot, along with his lawyer. And it did so much damage to Larry Flint that he did, you know, he became paralyzed, and it was touch and go for for two weeks with uh with Flint, and and the amazing thing that I didn't know was that they. They never knew who the killer was until relatively recently, and he was a serial killer, uh, a self-proclaimed uh, white supremacist named Joseph Paul Franklin, and he confessed to shooting um, Flint because of his interracial photo shoots in in Hustler, you know. And Flint basically said that you know he didn't want the guy to die. He he uh, he was against the death penalty, and he said he didn't want him to die. But in October of 2013, uh, oh, actually in November 20th, 2013, this guy Franklin was executed by lethal injection. But but yeah. See, and- I'd always remembered, and I don't know where I heard it, so I'm just talking out my ass here. But I remember a rumor. That Larry Flint had, before they'd gotten the guy, that Larry Flint had actually hired private investigators, found him, and maybe offed him himself, or had horrible things done to him, or something like that. You never know. Which yeah. must not be true, but I guess maybe if it was true, that was be why he didn't want the guy I, to be executed. <laughs> I could, um... I could, but I don't, I don't remember where I heard that, so it's totally... Yeah, this Curious. guy to it, and and he had actually um, had killed other people as well. Um, yeah, they called him a serial killer. Yeah, so I didn't get who um, who he had he had killed, but what an interesting cat. Uh, he Flint, he actually while on his jet plane, he uh, he converted to Christianity after talking to um, Ruth Carter Stapleton, which was the president of Jimmy Carter, which was done so nicely. In um, the People versus Larry Flint, I, I think that we can't talk about Larry Flint without talking about the People versus Larry Flint. Uh, what, what were your thoughts about that movie? And did that I love that movie. I love the direct. The director Milos Forman is the I think the best director for presenting 
just like iconic characters, scandalous characters. Uh, uh, you know, he did One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, which was just about a guy upsetting the apple cart. He did um, Man on the Moon, mm-hmm. about Andy Kaufman. The only other, the only other like biopics of like famous iconic weirdos that I think is on that level would be uh, the 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 movie. Oh, um, Private Parts about uh, Howard Stern. Oh, another great movie that I love. But uh, yeah, the, he he did a great job of, uh, and it was you know sort of, I I think kind of a precursor to like Boogie Nights and stuff of just like that. It, it might have been actually after Boogie Nights, but it was that in that time period of all out um, debauchery movies. Yeah. And and it had you know this this movie definitely had a big sec section devoted to it where. He and his wife got hooked on pain pills. Oh yeah, what a great! I mean, I have to give Woody Harrison, Harrelson, uh, all the credit in the world for, you know, here was a guy that could have easily have been typecasted from Woody Boyd on Cheers, uh, and he wasn't the first choice to play Larry Flint. It was actually Michael Douglas um, was the first choice to do this, but. What a great, what a great performance! And I think this catapulted him into a really great actor. I, I love. Well, he did a great job. I mean, Espe- he, even po- when when he did paralyzed Larry Flint, yeah. he just got it down. He got an Oscar nomination for that part in that movie, and uh, and it was it was great. And you know, he, when when he got converted, when he had his religious awakening, uh, some people say that he just did it just to to gain maybe publicity or or whatever but he was going to be a pornographer for jesus and and uh and that's where you got the famous meat grinder cover as well that he was that he was not going to he was going to stop treating women like a piece of meat so but right after he got shot he he gave up the whole jesus uh I think he really liked Rosalind Carter. I think they just hit it off really well, and he did it sort of just kind of to make as a like a, a appeal to friendship with her, and then also was like, I can use this <laughs> to make money. Yeah. Why not? The rest of the, you know, Falwell's using it to make money. I might as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh... he's he's basically. He's dipped his toes into almost every kind of like basic grift. Oh, you know, yeah. Sex, um, religion, and politics. Yeah, he did do that, and he was also he's also an excellent. I I, I think he's got a terrific head for business. I think he knew where the industry was going, so he quickly tried to keep up with with what was happening. I mean, he kept ahead of it. Yeah, he did. I mean, he was uh, Hustler was a uh, leading edge of Ront. It was raunchy, you know. But he also his his thing was he made so much money by licensing the Hustler name, and Playboy did the same thing, of course, with the Playboy clubs. But but Larry Flint, um, you know, he had uh, boutiques in in Hollywood where you can go buy all of this sex toys where you didn't yeah. have feel like you were walking into a sleaze you could have he an made movies he made movies he he came up with the even sleazier title than hustler 
barely legal. Barely legal. And 27 other publications. He came up with one of the biggest selling porn DVDs ever, which is Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style. Oh, that's right. Gangster rap and porn in 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 a video. He made so much money off of this because he knew that this was a market that that you know Snoop's gonna say, yeah, man, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, these were big money making. I remember that Snoop didn't have to have sex with anybody. He just sort of hung around while it was happening. Hung around. And, and and his name was licensed out to to casinos, you know, and money was just coming in from everywhere for this guy. And, you know, his legal troubles came in as well. And then he decided that he was going to fuck with who? Mr. Reverend Jimmy Falwell close confidant to President Reagan at the time. And man, that made one of the most interesting stories in Larry Flint's life and a great portrayal in the movie as well. And Falwell, Falwell, Jerry, just the tip, Falwell. Yeah. Later gotten taken down by his predilection for hookers. Oh yeah. Just... And Frank, Frank Zappa dedicated a whole like changed the lyrics to half his songs to fit to the whole Jerry Falwell scandal and Jim and Tammy Baker <laughs> another one of my favorite fall from graces but I want to uh, go into the ad I actually have a copy of the of the um, ad that for he people put. who don't remember Jerry Falwell yeah. he was one of the most pompous TV preachers he was just a po- there's, there's a great um, mini series on YouTube done by um oh um shearer from from uh from laverne and shirley and spinal tap where it's they take the nixon tapes and and act them out and uh there's the the, there's a section with falwell coming in to talk to to nixon that's just unbelievable yeah he he was an unbelievable piece of shit um, which makes him cannon fodder for parody, which is what uh, Flint did. Now, his ad, it's an ad for Campari, which is a disgusting liquor, by the way. It's absolutely terrible. It's an Italian liquor. And it reads, Jerry Falwell talks about his first time. And it, it's got Campari in a little glass with some ice, and it's very fancy, and there's a picture of Falwell. And it opens, the ad opens with Falwell saying, Falwell saying, my first time was in an outhouse outside Lynchburg, Virginia. And the interviewer says, well, wasn't it a little cramped? No, not after I kicked the goat out. <laughs> and the interviewer says, I see. You must tell me all about it. And Falwell says, well, I never really expected to make it with my mom. But then after she showed all the other guys in town such a good time, I figured, what the hell? But your mom, wasn't that a little bit odd? I don't think so. Looks don't mean much to me in a woman. Go on. Falwell, well, we were drunk off our God-fearing asses on Campari, ginger ale, and soda. And called a, and called a fire and brimstone at the time. And mom looked 
better than a Baptist whore with a $100 donation. Interviewer, Campari in the crapper with mom? How interesting. How was it? Oh, well, the Campari was great, but mom passed out before I came. <laughs> I'll just leave it leave it at that. You can you can look up this ad. It's it's hilarious and it pissed off. Jerry Falwell was not happy. Not happy at all. And of course, he sued uh, he sued Flint for um, emotional distress. You know, and it that also makes for another fun part of the movie. And uh and you know, it it ended up in I think he had to pay two hundred thousand dollars or something to Falwell, and 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 he basically you know he he won. I mean, it, it was it a crusader for for free speech. Would you it's call it? a landmark case. It's it's such an important case that most people don't realize it. Before that time. There was nothing stopping you from claiming personal injury by somebody saying something mean to you that hurt your feelings if you were a celebrity. And there was no no like dispensation for satire. So, you know, you if you were satirizing a public figure, if that public figure was rich enough, you might get in trouble up to that point. But Falwell, or, um, Flint took it to the Supreme Court, and now they can't sue you for getting their feelings hurt if you're a public figure. You know, and satire is not something that you can you know, sue somebody for. So very important. I mean, we can, we can say that Goldstein did the same thing. He fought for just about everything that he had to do, but to make it to the Supreme Court? I mean, this is the Bible Belt. This is Jerry Falwell. Yeah, yeah. Flint just sort of stumbled in. I think probably that was the turning point where he was just like, wow, I just did that. And I've seen in interviews, he was always kind of bitter that nobody really realized how important it was that he won that. But I think that's I think after that point, he got a taste for. He always had a taste for being in the public eye. Well, maybe not even for being in the public eye, but for he got a taste for being in the public eye and for like making change, you know, making some sort of philosophical change in things, you know, to that he thought was right. And, you know, after that, he always had some sort of little campaign. He always had some reward on some political or religious enemy of his. Well, he was, he, he, you know, offered what a million dollars for anyone that can that can prove the uh that the kennedy assassination you know was was uh, an inside job with someone he, other than oswald and yeah, he, he, he had a million dollars for i think it was a blanket thing for you know proof of any kind of bible thumping politician having an affair or something like that and senators i mean he brought down two mm-hmm high-powered you know republican senators and and they had to resign because he you know he got the dirt on these guys i mean to this he day, was going after mitt romney's tax returns for yeah, a while he's, he's got he, a 10 million reward on trump right yeah, now anyone that can find out something to get trump impeached he's willing to pay you know and and in san francisco in the, you know california he 
for the shit show that we had uh, running for in the governorial and the governor races back in the 90s. You know, he he went ahead and jumped in as well. He had mostly probably for the publicity of it. But but uh, yeah, he got in there and and he knows he's been quiet now for for a while, I believe. I, I haven't heard much from him, but. But, you know, probably pretty old and 76. last Yeah. Time. And he's in a wheelchair and stuff. So he's probably uh, not too. Who knows, though? He's always I'm always surprised he'll turn up and I'm going to have to do that after the show. See what the most recent interview I can find with him is. I couldn't find very much. It was that was very recent. You know, right. I, I, I know that that he's a smart guy and he actually. I think it was about five or six years ago, he actually said, you know, I know that the printed uh, media for, for uh, pornography is dead. It's dying. He said, I don't see Hustler um, surviving, you know, for very much longer. I mean, he saw that that was the thing about about Larry Flint. He was always, as you had mentioned, mm-hmm. he was always one step ahead. He knew and he criticized, you know, Hugh Hefner for turning his magazine into basically a Maxim magazine, you know. Uh, but but he branched out. He knew what he had to do to keep his empire going, and that's licensing his name, trying to get ahead of what the next thing was. And that was and that was videos. That was porn. Uh, and 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 that's what he did. And that's why he is an incredible survivor and a smart guy too i mean i would have loved to have seen these trials live that he did because you know he would say why why is is what i'm i'm you know showing pictures of the female body and yet you can open the newspaper and you can see pictures of soldiers being slaughtered with blood and guts everywhere what makes that picture not offensive and what makes my pictures offensive if you don't like it you don't have to buy it you don't have to look at it no one's making you buy this magazine and and he's absolutely right i mean everything he said it's incredibly important for free speech you don't have to like what i mean to be honest even some of the shots in hustler are even (laughs) a little raunchy for me to even look at but i don't have to i don't have to really like it to admire and 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 know how important it is that you can go ahead and do what you want. You don't like it, don't fucking buy it, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Hustler, like, all the stuff around it is the cultural talk. I mean, Hustler's just there to get a few yucks and jerk off probably while you're on the toilet taking a shit. Yeah. That was pretty much what Hustler was was set up for and that's the most amazing thing is this big redneck guy who's making this horribly tasteless magazine i think the people who took him on really underestimated how smart he was and they were like this is just some redneck businessman you know two-bit you know sort of thug mafia wannabe sort of guy we'll we'll go in and shut him down and uh he had the money and he had intelligence and he met them head on, just head on, like coming head head on as in walking up and just headbutting them <laughs> and winning most of the time. He lost a few battles, but 
in the in, in most of his battles that he lost were business bad business practice illegal business practice stuff rather than like you know free speech stuff as far as that goes he was pretty consistently coming out on top of things and what and the thing about that sort of stuff is once you win a few times they they might unless they're really trying to just wipe you out they might leave you alone you know and be like yeah well you know We'll go after somebody weaker, but at the same time, it's harder to go out after the weaker people because he's carved out a better space for them. So, right from the start, you know, he he set up a precedent that you know, you're not gonna fuck with me. I'll fuck with you right back. I mean, he yep. he he borrowed a uh, hundred ten thousand dollars from a bank early on, and they were hounding him for his money and hounding him for his money. And of course, he should have paid the people back. He was making good money. But what he did was he got, you know, he got a bunch of wheelbarrows and a bunch of freaking porn mm-hmm. chicks and filled the wheelbarrows with pennies and just had them all cart down Main Street right to the bank and invited the press and the media. You know, he was a, he is a master of 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 uh, of working the media to his to his advantage, you know, and during those times he was I'm sure he was probably always in the news for one thing or the other. And that's just what he wanted because everyone was making yeah. all this stuff was just making him money, man. In middle school, I knew who Larry, Fl- everybody knew who Larry, Fl- all, me and all my friends knew who Larry Flint was because he was on the news and he was a pornographer <laughs> and, you know, and he was a household name. He wasn't supposed to be a household name. No. You know, in, in that time, he, it, Hugh Hefner was like bad enough, but now you got this guy coming in with his diaper on and and his pussy lips and stuff. It was crazy, and, and, and you know, and you were having the comment like like it's you know people talk about stuff today too, but there was stuff during our time. I remember watching the news and them explaining that now Hustler magazine had pictures of. You know, they've gone too far. It was a woman actually, not actually, but they depicted a woman getting electrocuted, a naked woman getting electrocuted in an electric chair. And it was like this whole pictorial, basically it was a pictorial about shaving her pubic hair because they had to shave her bald and shave her armpits and shave her pubic hair because she's going in the electric chair. And then the last... You know, the last frame is her in their rigged up electric chair with like Fourth of July sparklers, you know, glued to the helmet on top of her head. And it just said zap. Oh, I mean, if you think that went too far, uh, he actually tackled bestiality um, and had some bear sniffing at a woman's cooch, you know, uh, and had a whole article on bestiality. He did. Porn pictures drawn by children. I doubt they were drawn by children, but <laughs> sent out, he sent out Christmas cards of of Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus, and Santa Claus wants to rub Mrs. Claus's cooch and then smell his finger to smell like Christmas. I mean, he just did anything and everything that he wanted to the man i mean is he a genius or is he just a madman or a little bit of both I, a little I, bit I of both i don't know about genius is just sheer brutal willpower <laughs> and, I mean, and intelligence but like yeah i don't yeah i don't know it's well, close <laughs> I mean, the man has no business being alive 
I mean, were so many other people that were surrounded with a lifestyle that he was after he was paralyzed, you know, yeah. he he could have easily have just turned to drugs and and but, you know, he had a surgery that kind of corrected the pain and he didn't, you know, he didn't he didn't do that. And and when he did go to jail, it was for, like you said, desecration of the American flag, uh, wearing it as a diaper. And one time some girl was uh, blowing him. And just about when he was about to climax, he would shoot off his gun. And he got arrested for that. He's almost like he's asking for it. And just when you want to think he's a genius, you're going, well, God, that's kind of stupid. But all of this played into keeping him in the news and and keeping Huster magazine. I mean, as a I kid, can't say anything bad about somebody who's gotten arrested for wearing a flag diaper in court no. and who fired off a gun and for <laughs> firing off a gun while getting a blowjob. It's no. it's like, OK, you can you can make like I wouldn't do either of those things. But at the same time, I'm. I, I got to say, if, if you could sit down with someone and say, oh, yeah, what are you in for? I shot I was I shot my gun in the air when I ejaculated while getting a blowjob. Yeah, you're, you're instantly that's nobody's going to go like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you're you're right. Just the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna go like, I'll remember you forever. <laughs> you're a god. You're 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 a god, and and uh, and and that that's Flint. I mean, he it's such a complicated, interesting story that you almost. I don't know if he's relevant other than than the the decision of uh, free speech to the Supreme Court. I mean, how relevant is Larry Flint in today's world of Internet? Oh, 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 he was way ahead of his time in blunt, rude humor. You know, I mean, South Park and stuff like that. Like he was he 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 was a he, he was an innovator of the crassifying of our society. For better or worse, <laughs> he was one of the first, like, just, like, hugely successful, horribly, like, crass and and unrepentful and willing to just go to the lowest common denominator and wallow in it, not be not be ashamed of it, it, it just double down on it. So that's our culture now. Yeah. <laughs> Hustler yeah. Magazine is our culture now. We are living in Hustler magazine right now. I, I can't even remember the last time I even saw an issue of Hustler magazine. I well, know we we found one as a kid. It was it was something that was was kept somewhere. <laughs> Wait, I gotta I gotta have a couple of them laying around here somewhere. Sure you do. I'm sure. I'm sure you do. But yeah, it it he was a fascinating topic to look into and a lot a lot of fun just just uh, just to find out more about him I mean, I mean i knew a little bit about him but i i didn't know as much about him until i went ahead and rewatched the movie and until i did a little bit of research online so so this was great i mean it did one of my favorite favorite topics that we've done on uh beat it so far um and with that any any final thoughts that, that that you might want to throw out there about Larry Flint? 
Yeah, if you're interested in learning more, I think the best starting point is is the People versus Larry Flint movie, and 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 whenever if you're ever like at a flea market or somewhere and see a box of pornography, dig through and grab the Hustlers or you know there was the Hustler Guide to Film, there was Hustler Humor, anything with Hustler stamped on it, but especially the flagship magazine. If you get your hands on a copy of Hustler, you're going to go just like a copy of Screw. Every page is a gold mine of horrifying, (laughs) horrifying, yeah, hilarious and just unbelievable, just unbelievable, especially in today's day and age and context, unbelievableness. And uh, it's a culture. It's it's uh, a culture nightmare slash dream read as it has always been so i highly recommend finding all hustlers and watching people versus larry flint and that'll give you a good then you can work off in a million different directions after that and get your gun ready (laughs) always have your gun ready to shoot it off in the wall and and with that that was our our look into uh the heavy hitter larry flint and um, if you are going to uh, intend to sleep on your stomach today, make sure that you don't look at uh, pictures of what a split fever shot is, because then you're definitely going to have to sleep on your back. <laughs> like a turtle. Like a turtle. Hello. Salon. They just brought the decision in. Well, is it good or bad? Well, it's a unanimous decision, Larry, and Rehnquist throwed it himself. Is it good or bad? Yeah, I want you to hear this. At the heart of the First Amendment is the recognition of the fundamental importance of the free flow of ideas. Freedom to speak one's mind is not only an aspect of individual liberty, but essential to the quest for truth and the vitality of society as a whole. In the world of debate about public affairs, many things done with motives that are less than admirable are nonetheless protected by the First Amendment. So we won. Yes, we did. We won. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. I'll mention it. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks.
Squeal, squeal. 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 Squeal.